their palms for the day. All right, so I want to make sure we get the word, give you your palms, and then let you get to the restaurants before everybody else. <laughs> so let us turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. I'm a week behind on my schedule. All right, so um, I'm going to go ahead and do Revelation chapter 3 today. Next Sunday, we will definitely have um, a message on on uh, specifically to, to Resurrection Sunday, right? And then we'll come back to Revelation, all right? But I wanted to finish up the seven churches by now, right? But we're behind, as usual. So <laughs> all right, Revelation chapter 3, everybody there? All right. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 13 today. 7 through 13. Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. It reads, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This morning, I want to use the title, The Perks of Perseverance. The Perks of Perseverance. Father, we come before you again, thanking you for your word. We thank you for giving us your word that uh, is, is truth and it is life. We ask, Lord, that you would Open our hearts and minds to to hear and to understand today. Teach us how to love you with our whole hearts, how to honor your word, how to apply your word in our lives. We ask that you would use this time as we're reflecting on our own lives and preparing to celebrate Easter, Lord, to purify our hearts of anything that's not like you and teach us how to endure, how to persevere in our faith. We thank you now for all these things. Amen. Everybody likes perks. Does anyone here use a credit card just to get frequent fly flyer miles? Okay, I see people pointing at other people. Yeah. Anybody love when they give you bonus miles on flights? Bonus points? Right. I know when... Uh, 
I go to the timeshare that I have that I probably should have never bought, but it, they're, they're always trying to, to make you buy upgrades, and they give you all kinds of perks. I remember one time we went to uh, this resort, and uh, we, we went in, and they had two lines, right? And so they, they come in, they ask you, you know, what level are you? Are you, are you gold? Are you platinum or, or whatever? And so when you tell them, they say, oh, you get in this line, right? But, but if, if you're a platinum, right, or gold, you get over in this line. There's a whole line of people over here. And there's only like one or two, three people over in this, in this line. And I'm, I want to get in that line. Oh, well, see, you, it, it, this is a, a perk of, of owning more points, you know, being platinum, being VIP, right? And so now everybody's just trying to buy extra points because everybody wants to be VIP. We love to get extra perks. We love to get free upgrades. I mean, don't you just love you going somewhere and say, oh, we bumped your room up to, you know, to this level just because, right? Meaning they didn't have anybody else anyway, so they just <laughs> fill in the rooms. But, but we, we love free upgrades, okay? We are people who love getting perks. And Jesus, through the Apostle John, is telling us that there are perks that are associated with Christians who persevere. Now, I know we've talked a bit about this several times, about perseverance and endurance. It is something that is, is necessary in the Christian life, right? We need endurance we need a perseverance because of the things that we will face and the things that we will suffer in this life. And what Jesus here is telling this church here, the church of Philadelphia, is that because they have persevered for his name, there are certain perks that come along with that perseverance. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, the Christian life can be overwhelming. You look around and you see other people, they're just carelessly going about their lives. And I'm over here struggling, trying to keep God's commands. It's like swimming upstream from the culture, sometimes even from other Christians. It seems like those of us who are trying to endure and persevere, we're swimming upstream from everybody else just going with the flow. Sometimes we are the ones who are constantly sacrificing and denying ourselves, like Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, and you see everybody else just indulging the flesh. Sometimes I spend my time constantly examining myself, especially after reading these messages in Revelation that we've been getting. And I was just, last, yesterday I was just sitting like, Lord, am I really saved? I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> I'm going back over these messages like, thank God for grace, because I might get to the gates and they'd be like, eh, access denied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But, 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 but sometimes we spend time examining ourselves and, and trying our hardest to continue to persevere. And then you have some Christians that are just like, mm, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to just enjoy the earth now. Sometimes it is difficult trying to be faithful 
even when, and I would argue, most Christians think you are doing the most and you should be doing the least. Okay? <laughs> That's a young people thing. Y'all might not understand what I just said. Okay? <laughs> and I would add to that something that most people here cannot relate to, but pastoring is hard. Pastoring, <laughs> pastoring is difficult because it is a job where you often care more about people's spiritual growth than they do. You try, you're taking people kicking and screaming <laughs> where they don't want to go. Perseverance is needed in the Christian life. It is sometimes overwhelming, and sometimes after you have spent a lot of time trying to persevere, you can begin to wonder, is it all worth it? I have some friends of mine who clearly, we, we, we talk, I mean, they're, they're, they're Christians, and, and, and we have conversations because people love to call me and ask me questions. Well, what do you think about this? And then I tell them what the Bible said, they'd be like, hmm. Well, and then they cite me. I talked to this person, and I went on this website, and and you know, I looked at the tarot cards. And true story, did two weeks ago. I'm like, I'm like, you really went to get a tarot card reading to find out what the Lord wants? I'm just like, I'm just like. I'm like, I got an, I got too much right here to be looking for some tarot card palm readings and stuff. I just and 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 clearly just like, no, God is blessing me. I'm like, you in sin, but God is still blessing me. And I'm just like, I'm wasting my time. I I could I could I could just quit and go live my best life. And enjoy the world like everybody else was enjoying the world. And then I'd be like, slap, like Chris Rock, back to reality. And would be like, boy, it's a judgment day. Are you crazy? <laughs> it's a day you're going to have to answer for all of this. <laughs> okay. But sometimes it's tempting to question, is persevering and endurance living the Christian life, sacrificing when most people around you are not doing the same thing, you can question, is it worth it? Sh should I just be like everybody else and just go with the flow and get to heaven anyway? Or should I continue to persevere and endure the sacrifices that is needed, as Jesus says, to be on the narrow path? Of course, we all know that Jesus says that narrow is the path that, that leads to salvation and, and broad is the way. Okay. So Jesus answers this question for us in this text to the church in Philadelphia. He tells us that it is absolutely worth it to sacrifice and endure and to persevere for his name. It is absolutely worth it because there are perks that come along with our perseverance. We doubt the most when we see our own weakness and when we are in persecution. 
I don't know about you, but it is the times that I look at passages like Revelation ch- um, chapters 2 and 3, and I see how fall, far, far short of God's standards that I fall, uh, that I doubt the most if this is really worth it. And the only other time that we doubt, uh, truly really doubt whether it is worth it, is when we're persecu- in persecution, right? When, when people are doing stuff against us, and then we, it comes to our minds, love your enemies. I'm like, hmm, this ain't one of them times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it j- just as a joke, we were talking about this at, uh, in Bible study a couple weeks ago with the uh, you know, what happened with uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock and and um and the people were like, Well, you know, I don't what would you do? And I don't I'm like, listen, I I don't know what I would do, but I know what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't stand there with my hands behind my back and let somebody walk up on me. <laughs> I was like, I'm just not that spiritually mature. I I'm just not. I need growth. Those are the times when you doubt your maturity the most, okay? When when you you're under persecution, right? I would have I would have failed that test. I would just be like, Lord, Lord, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. <laughs> I would be like, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. We'd have just been like, I'd be like, I'd be like, somebody get this mic. <laughs> We'd have had to come up off the stage. I'd be like, you can't take us nowhere. They embarrassing us at the Oscars. Yup, we about to fight up in here. <laughs> okay. It is, it is often in those times when we feel persecuted or when we recognize how far, far, far short of God's standards that we are, that we doubt these needs for perse- um, perseverance. Jesus here tells us the things that we need to know and understand about why we should continue to persevere. In spite of our feelings of being overwhelmed or of our doubts fueled by our own shortcomings or by persecution, Jesus calls us to persevere and he promises us four perks that we must remember as a reward for our perseverance. Four things. Four things that Jesus tells us in this text that we must remember that will help us to persevere when we want to give up. Number one, Jesus assures us of a place in his kingdom. Jesus assures us of a place in his kingdom. Verses 7 and 8, listen to what Jesus says to John. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now here, Jesus is giving them the assurance that because they have put their faith and trust in him, they will make it to heaven. I was talking to someone uh, two Sundays ago. And so as we have been working our way through these uh, seven churches, you know, 
w- whenever we get to passages like this, people start to get a little uneasy. And so somebody was like, I need to talk to you. So I uh, swung past their house. We were just talking, and, and, and they are concerned that they might not get in because these are some hard standards to live up to. Jesus here is is giving us the assurance that if you persevere and endure in your walk with him, you have nothing to worry about. You will make it in. Now, I want us to to see something here. Uh, How do I get this out of this text, right? Here, when we look at this term, the key of David, I want us to look at two passages. First, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter Everyone there? Isaiah 22, verse 20. He says, Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. The key of the house of David, right? Remember, Jesus says he's the, the one who has the key of David. The key of the house of David I will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one shall shut and he shall shut and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg. Remember Jesus's statements at the end of of Revelation chapter three in this text. Right. I will make you a pillar in the house of my God. Right. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place and he will become glory, become a glorious throne to his father's house. Now, I want you to. To turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Very familiar passage for, for most of us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 reads, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now we can add to this Matthew 18. I'm not going to go there at, at the moment, but when we put these ideas together, when we look at, at the various passages that talk about uh, these keys, right, the idea is the kingdom of heaven, right? Even in this Matthew chapter 16 passage, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loose in heaven, right? Right. The whole context, the whole idea, especially of Matthew chapter 16, is that the church 
has the keys to God's kingdom. Those people that the church in recognizes the forgiveness of sin for, right? You, you share the gospel, they respond to gospel, and, and you loose them of their sin, right? When that happens in the church, it also happens in heaven. Those people who do not believe the gospel, right? They are bound in their sin, something the church recognizes that you have not entrusted your faith to Jesus. You are not a part of the kingdom. Heaven also recognizes the same thing. But the whole idea of the keys to the kingdom is about who is allowed to enter God's kingdom. And of course, we know this is the uh, we could go to I could take you to several passages and show that this is talking about the millennial kingdom that we will see at the end of the book of Revelation. Jesus is here saying. He is the one who possesses the keys to the Davidic kingdom. And he is the one for those of us who persevere. He is going to set before you an open door. And this door, when he opens it, no one will be allowed to close it on you. You have assurance that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, you will go to be with him. Now, real quick, this, this is really, this is a part of my sermon on Sunday, but I, I want us to quickly turn to Romans chapter 8. Um, because this is something I talk when I talk to the person, I give you all a preview, something you all can do as well if you're you're wrestling with these things. Romans chapter eight here is a great passage, I think, for people who wrestle with the assurance of their salvation. I, I, if you struggle, you say, I, I, I try my best. I I I, put, I know I trust Jesus. I've put my my faith in Him. But I fall short of his glory. I struggle with sin. And, or you wrestle. You believe that you know, I just don't know if I'm going to get there. Okay. First, come back next Sunday. You'll get <laughs> you'll you'll get get the whole point. Okay. But listen to what Paul says. And this is something that we we all need to do. We need to, like I told the person I was talking to, I want you to take the <laughs> Romans chapter 8 and read it over and over and over and over again until it moves from, from here down to here. Okay. Because this, this is something that we have to understand about the gospel. Something we talked about in Bible, in Bible study the last two weeks is that one of the things is... All right, y'all going to be late to eat. But uh, <laughs> one of the things we wrestle with is truly appropriating in our hearts what the gospel is. We think that the gospel is in some way something that will get us into heaven, but then we don't think about how it is supposed to help us every single day. Right. Paul says he constantly came back to the gospel, trying to grasp and understand the gospel for his everyday life. That's something that we need to do, because I think that too many of us as Christians, we live in Romans chapter seven. Oh, wretched man that I am, 
who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul in Romans chapter 7 is talking about how he loves the law of God with his mind, but in his body he keeps failing God. And I think all of us are there sometimes when we wrestle. And if we stay in Romans chapter 7 and we keep focusing on ourselves, we do have a reason to doubt. Because if I look at my own ability to get me into heaven, I'm wasting my time. We will all fall short. But listen to what Paul says here. Even after saying that he, he's wrestling to do all of these things in the Christian life and he recognizes that he's wretched and he falls short of God's glory, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. See, we, we, we work our way through the Christian life beating ourselves up every time we fall and every time we fail. And we think that, that I, gotta, I just have to work hard enough or do enough good and good so that when I get to heaven, God can say, yes, come in. Because we think that there is still a possibility of judgment or condemnation from God. But Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's no judgment for you at all. We talked about this in Bible study. We talked about how at, we think that, that on Judgment Day, we're going to get to heaven, and God is going to pull out a long list of, these are all of the things that you did wrong in life. And I try to help you all see in Bible study, that's not true. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no punishment, not in the future, but right now, and it is all because of the cross, Ephesians chapter 2. He took everything that God had against you and nailed it to his cross, and therefore he has made peace. So, if you wrestle, if you might think that there might be a possibility I don't get in, Read Romans chapter 8. He says at the end, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And then he gives you a list of things, <laughs> right? Not angels, not principalities, not things present, not things to come, nothing in this life, nothing in the life to come, right? That includes you and your sin. Now, I, I don't mean continue to live in sin. That's not my point. My point is, is that nothing will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus and we truly are genuinely saved, he opens to you the door of his kingdom and no one will shut it. Not you or anyone else. You got it. So the first thing that Jesus gives us here that is a, a perk of us persevering, perse um, persevering and enduring in our Christian life, sacrificing and, and trying to live according to God's word. Of course, we will all fall short. But the first thing he gives us is assurance of a place in his kingdom. Number two, the second thing that Jesus promises in this text 
is exaltation in the presence of your persecutors. Exaltation in the presence of your persecutors. Verse 3 of Revelation, uh, verse, uh, verse 9 of Revelation chapter 3, Jesus goes on to say, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Notice here, Jesus says that he will exalt you before those who persecute you. Do we know at this time that the Jews were, were believing that uh, Christians were perverting their religion? And so they began to persecute Christians. They were the first ones to persecute Christians. And so many of these people uh, in, in various cities around the Roman, Roman Empire, right, th they were suffering great losses because of this persecution. Now, again, I don't know about you, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't probably suffer these things very easily. I wouldn't go quietly into the night. <laughs> right. But they endured. <laughs> and Jesus says, you don't have to worry about exalting yourself or, or getting back at those who are your enemies. I'm going to do that for you. I'm going to exalt you. Or if we go back to Psalm 23, David says that our God prepares the table in the presence of our enemies. One of the things I think is striking, one of the things I, I, I really gained a lot of respect for Chris Rock in this uh, whole thing, because, first of all, he has more, di more discipline and self-control than me. And I was like, that's, that's obvious. I'm like, that's, that's a lot of self-control. But you know, the second thing, he has not spoken on this yet. He, he has not felt the need to try to react, respond, retaliate, or anything. Now, he did do an interview, and someone asked him, and he said, you know, I'm still processing this. I am going to talk about it, when it and, and when I do, you know it's going to be funny, okay? <laughs> but he hasn't felt the need to defend himself, protect himself at all. But one of the things that I found out is so amazing is that he has been doing his comedy shows, and the ticket sales have been through the roof. Tickets were $80. Now they're going for like $350. Standing ovation, all kinds of stuff. God knows exactly how to exalt you when you don't take things into your own hands. Repeatedly in the Bible, the word says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. And too often, we feel like we need to be the one to dole out the vengeance. We make the mistake that Joseph did not make. Remember Joseph? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. And then his brothers show up in Egypt needing help. Now, if you all were like me, I'd be like, <laughs> I was like, we're going we gonna to have some fun with this. 
I I would uh, I I would uh, I I know I know exactly what Joseph w- w- felt like when he was like, all right, one of y'all got to stay in jail, and one, and then the rest of y'all could go. I'd be like, yep, I would put all of them in jail. I would just I would just have fun with them, <laughs> okay. But at the end of his life, his brothers come to him, and they say, you know, Daddy just died, but when Dad before he died, he said to talk to you because. He wanted to make sure that you don't punish us after his death. Okay, this is my summary of Genesis chapter 50. Okay, what does Joseph say? He says, am I in the place of God that I would repay you? You see, sometimes we feel it is our responsibility to get back at people who hurt us. But when we do that, we step into God's role. And that's not a good place to be. Because now God has two people to punish. (laughs) Jesus says here that he is going to be the one to make your enemies come and worship at your feet and to know that he has loved you. Don't get in his way. You continue to stand in your place. Your place is endurance. His place is vengeance. Number three, the third thing that Jesus tells us here as a perk of perseverance, number one, of course, is the assurance of a place in his kingdom. Number two, the exaltation in in, in the presence of your persecutors. Number three, he says, you will be exempt from worldwide tribulation. Now, verse 10 says, because you have kept my command to persevere, right? because you have persevered, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, of course, we will... Look at this when we jump into starting at chapter 6, okay? We'll talk about this, this but notice uh, a word here. Jesus says in verse 10, because you have kept my commands, I will keep you. You kept my commands, I will keep you. Okay? Same word. Because of something that you did, this is what I'm going to do in return. He goes on to talk about the trial that will come to test the whole world. And we know this is, of course, the great tribulation that picks up in Revelation chapter 6. Jesus' promise to us is this. Now, of course, I know that this is a theological point. There are some people who do believe that Christians will go through the tribulation period. I'm just not one of them. Um, but I say if you want to be a Christian and go through the tribulation period, have fun. Not something I'm interested in, <laughs> but I just want, I want to be sitting up in heaven like, y'all about run? <laughs> okay, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to be here when all that go down, you know, I'm not, that's not my, my desire, but it, some people, they just want to believe that, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I'm looking forward to the rapture, I'm out of here, okay. But there's going to be a, a worldwide judgment on all of God's enemies. 
And Jesus says, because you have kept my command and persevered, I'm going to keep you from that time. I'm going to protect you from that time. Now, I want you to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This has been a something I've talked to uh, several people about as we watch current events. And uh, we think that a- every news story is an update on the book of Revelation. And they be like, oh, are we going to have to go through this? You know, like what, you know, what does the Bible say? Okay, this, this is what the Bible says about the tribulation period. So you, so I can put all your fears to rest. First Thessalonians chapter 5. First and second Thessalonians are great books. If you would like to read um, uh, about um, the Antichrist and all of these different things, right? First Thessalonians is a great book. First and second Thessalonians. Great books on the on end times. Chapter 5, verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, the tribulation period, comes as a thief in the night. It's a surprise. Boom, it's going to be upon you. You won't even know it hit you. Coming as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, Then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Why? For because God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Now, notice here, Paul says, God has not appointed us to wrath. What is the tribulation period? It is the day of the Lord, if we go back to, I mean, if you go back to the Old Testament and just Google the phrase, the day of the Lord, right? You you see exactly what the day of the Lord is. It is a day of wrath and vengeance, a day of darkness and no light, right? We will look at several passages in the, in the, in the uh, uh, prophetic books that says that the day of the Lord is like a man being out in the street and seeing a lion. He escapes from the lion and runs into a bear. He escapes the bear, runs into his house, and leans on the wall, probably like, I made it. And he gets bitten by a snake. There's not going to be any rest. It is a time where God is pouring out his wrath on everyone who hates him. Paul says, we haven't been appointed to wrath. 
we have been appointed to obtain salvation through our Lord who died for us. Right. So Jesus's point is there is a time coming when God is going to pour out his judgment on everyone who hates him. I'm going to keep you or protect you from that time. As a matter of fact, the Greek phrase um, here in this this te- um, text, he uses the word ek, which means to means to be taken out of something. He's going to he said, I will protect you out of or from that time, whatever time period that is. You don't have to worry. I'm going to save you from it. Of course, we know we call that the rapture. We'll see that in a couple Sundays. We have the assurance of a place in his kingdom. We have the assurance that he will exalt us in the presence of our persecutors. Number three, we have the assurance that we will be exempt from God's worldwide judgment. And number four, he promises us that we will have safety and security in God's presence. Again, verse 11 and 12. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Now, have you, anyone, I know Sister Miss has, anybody ever been on a trip out of the country? What do you have to take with you? Passport. Why do you take the passport? Okay. So you can get back in, so you identify what your nationality is, what country you, you come from, right? So you have, a, you have a document with the name of your country on it so people can know where you are from, where you belong, right? And, and even if you, you get into trouble, you can go to any U.S. embassy anywhere, show them this document, they will take you in and make sure that you're safe, right? That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that what he's going to do is is he's going to write on you the name of his city. He's talking about transferring your citizenship. I'm going to make sure that you are safe and secure with a seal so that everybody knows where you are from. I'm going to write on you the name of my city the name of my God, and even my new name. Now, I don't know what that means. but It's probably, probably a reference to a, a title that we will, when we see Jesus face to face, some great new title. But, but Jesus' point is, I, you are a citizen of my kingdom, and I'm going to make sure you are safe. You're going to be safe in the presence of my Father so that no one can ever hurt you. Now, I know that sometimes we will, we're going to go through things. We're going to experience all kinds of problems, persecutions, doubts, sufferings. And in in those times, we are going to feel like we want to give up. 
you're going to go to work and somebody's going to annoy you. <laughs> you're going to want to quit. Right, every day. <laughs> you, you, you're going you're gonna to try to do something nice and people are going to misunderstand. They're going to talk about you. And, and you're going to try to do the right Christian thing. And then people are going to make it more fun of you. Right. And you're going to be tempted not to persevere. You're going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to kind of just throw in the towel and just kind of coast your way through. Look like a good Christian, but really just you're just coasting your way into heaven. Jesus, in this text, is giving you the reasons why you should not give up. You want to endure. You want to persevere. Whatever you have to go through, as Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, right? He talks about enduring hardships like a good soldier. We are in a war. And in war, people get hurt. But no matter what, you have to persevere. You have to endure. Jesus is saying to us in this text that if you endure, he will make it worth it. Maybe not in this life, but he will make it worth it. Last illustration, I remember at my old church, we were there for a funeral, and uh, we had people that would volunteer uh, for, like, the culinary ministry. And so, you know, after we would have funerals, people would uh, come in and eat. And we would have, like, women and, and men of the church, they would come and serve the food and clean up, take care of things for the family and all. And so one day, uh, I was in the, in the kitchen after uh, one of the repasses, and uh, Pastor Johnson comes in, and he says uh, to everyone, uh, he's like, you know, you all did, um, did a great job. And somebody made a joke about, you know, getting paid. And he's like, hey, when are you going to pay us for this or something? And um, he said, I wish I had the money to pay you, but I'm going to pray that God put it on your heavenly account. <laughs> and and uh, one lady, y'all know Sister Chafin, right? She, she is hilarious. She was like, I ain't worried about my heavenly account. I want mine right now. Okay. But check the point, okay? The point, <laughs> the, the, the point that he's making is this, right? The connection I'm making to that is sometimes we don't see the purpose of enduring right now. We, we, we want to endure for Christ and receive our rewards right now. But even if God sees fit not to reward you right now, he's keeping track of your heavenly account. And he has promised he's going to make everything worth it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us this time to look at these churches in Revelation. I pray, Lord, that you would help us because all of us, including myself at times, we feel like giving up. We don't want to do things according to your word. We oftentimes want to get vengeance ourselves instead of waiting on you.
because truly you take too long. <laughs> we want to see it right now. <laughs> and you just give way too much grace. <laughs> but I thank you, Lord, that you give us the same thing that you give people who persecute us. You give us and them grace and time to repent. You are not like us who, like James and John, when the people would not listen to Jesus, they said, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven and kill them right now? That's us. <laughs> but you are gracious and merciful and compassionate. You don't want anyone to perish. So you give people time to repent. I pray that you would make us more like you. Teach us to endure because that is the purpose of you not giving us what we want in the moment. And you are teaching us through our endurance to be loving and compassionate even to our enemies. Because when we were your enemies, as Paul says, you died for us. We ask, Lord, that you would give us the grace to endure. I don't know what each person here is going through on a weekly or daily basis, but you know. You know what each of us are going through mentally and internally and externally. And you are inside of us by your spirit, giving us the grace and the power to endure. I pray that you would teach us how to rely on you to stand in the grace and the power that you provide and look forward to the day when we will stand in your kingdom, safe and secure, understanding and knowing that it was all worth it. We thank you for this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.